Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, welcome back to Oz Business. We kick off the afternoon as we always do with the call 10 stocks you suggest. We put it to two of our experts for uh, each of those stocks for their opinion. We've certainly kick off a Monday with, with the A-team, Gaurav Sodhi from Intelligent Investor. Gaurav, how are you, sir? Good weekend? Hi, David. Yeah, it was a great weekend, except for the fact that I had my kids with me. Oh. <laughs> and we didn't do much except get uh, driven mad by them. Oh. <laughs> Well, it's coming up to Christmas. That will just increase It'll by just now. It'll just get worse, won't it? Nathan yeah. Somerson Darren from Big Data Analytics. Nathan, have, did the kids annoy you too? I actually took them to work. <laughs> That's yeah, a good way to be get right. them back. That'd yes. be right. But the thing is, the office is empty. <clears throat> the kids right. are now old enough. They've got their own you know, laptops and iPads and yeah. stuff. You just take mm. the food. And right. They run around them. They got the whole office, so they were happy. Perfect, perfect. All right, uh, before we get stuck into uh, your 10 stocks, we always look at a stock of the day, and Ampol is holding its strategy day today, unveiling plans for a $300 million share buyback after completing a $635 million sale of its convenience and retail properties around the place. Uh, Gaurav, was this a surprise to you? Um, Ampol's share price up 8%, I think, uh, this morning, which is incredible. I'm shocked the share price rose today because everyone should have known this was happening. The company basically announced it months ago that they were doing this. It's been on the cards. The um, activists have pushed for it. Shareholders should have expected it. I'm surprised to see the market reacting as strongly as they have. Now, there might be some other reasons for that. Um, I'm not sure people expected um, the buyback necessarily. Yep. you know, Ganpol sits on a really large, it, it's one of the largest um, franking credits on the market, about a billion dollars worth of franking credits sitting there. So there's an opportunity here to pay out a lot of dividends and access value from the, that franking credit balance. Ah. Um, so I'm surprised not to see more dividends come out of Ampol. Um, it's, it's a business we've known um, for a long time. We've been in and out of it over, over several years and made very good returns out of it. And I like it precisely because it's a kind of business most investors look at and think, oh, that's lousy. Right. Um, and in many levels, it should be lousy. Um, it, it sort of retails a, a commodity product. Um, yep. It's very competitive um, and it's asset heavy. Um, and again, if all you did was kind of just look at the numbers, then you'd probably never buy this. Mm. Uh, and it's another example of why investing is more than just a quantitative exercise. And yep. Um, one of the great things I love about this company is, is that it's over a long period of time, it's actually managed to double its, um, its fuel margins. The, the oh. number of um, uh, service stations in Australia has dramatically shrunk. They peaked in the 70s and they've about halved since then. Um, so the revenue per site has actually increased. It's, it's faced some issues in more recent times and we haven't owned it because fuel volumes are now starting to fall and it's quite yeah. noticeable in the, um, in the chain. And, and because they own such a large fixed asset base, as your volumes start to decline, 
your operating leverage starts to kick in and your profits start to fall even harder. Um, right. So they've got, it's a well-managed business. Uh, they've okay. got a big, big uh, task ahead of them to maintain profitability in the face of what looks to be structural change. But at the right price, there's still Is $30 the right price? Look, this is this is business probably going to be taken over at about $35 or so. Um, so I would suggest there's a pretty good dividends coming out of this. And, and mm. I would say for the conservative investor, yep. um, there is still a buying opportunity here. Okay. For most investors who <coughs> want higher rates of return, right. I think I'd look somewhere else. Yep. All right. So investing is just more than quantitative. Yep. Let's go to the quant bike. <laughs> Let's go to the quant bike. <laughs> I did not think about that. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's oh, a, I love that word when you did. Did you think he just oh, no. threw a hand grenade in? I can square that. Someone will punch behind the back of the head. Um, oh, look, this has been one of one of the stocks that uh, I've loved for a while. Um, it actually comes up really well quantitatively. Right. <laughs> and I know we've talked about this. Yeah, before. and we actually agreed on this yeah. um, for a long this time. Is a, and it, you look, it's, I think the. There's multiple layers to this. Um, it is a structurally challenged industry. Um, it's never been easy, but well managed. Uh, I think the previous year I was a big fan of. Um, I've got friends working there. And whenever you get people who work in, in that business, actually love the business and love management, that's usually a good trend on mm. what's happening in the business. So it, it's, it's a very well managed business in a tough sector. Graf's right, there's M&A coming. Uh, it's not the first time these guys have been in a dance and I'm mm. sure it's not going to be the last. Yep. They'll be back. Um, I think the kicker is coming from borders reopening. Now, generally, you know, it's a bit like, it's American culture generally comes here eventually. Mm. Everyone, when you don't have the international travel, you're going to yeah. drive. The driving season, exactly. they call it in America and over summer, don't they? Exactly. Yeah. And in, um, you know, you're talking to uh, friends of mine in uh, Melbourne, you know, they're all just jumping to Itching. drive somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they were going to drive. So the, obviously mm. what was negative for them is now turning positive. Mm. Yeah. So they leverage. The other side is obviously you can see in, even in Sydney, the traffic's picked up dramatically. Yep. So it's got to be positive for them. Um, all of those things play well. Again, it's a good, well, I would say good, but it, it's a decent yield play. Um, not so great now because mm. the price has gone up. But in context, um, you look at where it is and then you've got the M&A kicker on top of that. I think it's a good play. I think you're pretty defensive um, in context of where we are in the market. The risk is, sure, it'll come back two or three dollars because it's run a bit too hard quickly. Um, there might be a few fundies taking a bit of profit. That just gives you another entry point. I'm a buyer here, I have right. been. And this is one of our holdings that we like, um, medium to long term. Uh, the dynamics haven't changed. And the other thing to remember is, doesn't matter what what the oil price is. They just put the margin and then clip yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. So it's one of those things where you get ripped off one way or another. Yeah. So it's a good way and to do it. And the margins have been increasing a bit. The Comsec put out sort of a yeah. weekly report on as they and, as yeah. they shut down their refineries. Yeah. Uh, they are more open to currency, which we cannot work out. So they can gouge yeah. us even more. So it's a great way. Yeah. Okay. So look, I think it's a good buy. All right. Okay. Let's get into the first of your stocks. You want a suggestion on Ian? Uh, Mate, I want to view on South. Uh, 32. This was sort of spun out of BHP, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, um, it's uh, a few years ago. All their yeah, their metals business. It's a bad boy um, out of BHP. <laughs> bad boys are good. Everyone loves a bad boy, and this is one you should be looking turn, at now. Turn this around, though. Oh, it's, it's good management. They pumped up a pretty good balance sheet. They're there for things to blow up so they can add to their portfolio. If you look outside the big boys, BHP or Rio, this is the next best diversified play you're going to get. It doesn't have the sexy commodities that the big boys uh -huh. have, 
But you know, it's a, I think it's a roaring uh, macro for commodities. Um, you know, the only beacon of global growth and pandemic management is China. And they set the um, commodity price. And I mean, recently they've just gone into um, doing trades in one for copper. So they're taking charge of the commodity market and mm -hmm. I think it'll be relatively positive. Right. Uh, the macro is very positive. So I think South 32, um, the other thing that it has is one of the a decent moving commodity of late is zinc. And mm -hmm. it's probably the, one of the few places where you can get that exposure as well. So right. uh, look, it's not the exciting one that's not going to go berserk because one commodity runs. But it's your safe play. It's a big play. It's got a good balance sheet, um, and uh, we've talked about this before, yeah. and we agree. It's one of those. It's the one that moves late because people, you know, it's one of the ones that goes, oh, it's just not going to do much, but it does. So, so you can at two dollars thirty-six, you can get ahead of the cycle because yeah. they're they're in what bauxite, nickel, silver, lead, zinc, as you yeah. said, coal, manganese. They, they always have a couple that doesn't looks ugly and they always have two or three that does really right. well. Mm -hmm. So in this context, they should be doing okay. Yeah. And I think in six months time, you're gonna find that they'll probably have 60 to 70% of them doing well and 20 to 30% okay. underperforming. So. Right. Yeah, this is um, difficult because we actually agreed on two consecutive <laughs> and, and I actually agree with what Nathan's saying here is, um, I mean, they called it Crapco, David, when it was yeah. first listed. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and when I saw that, um, my ears just pricked up. Nothing is more attractive than a universally despised stock. Yep. Um, and this is not as despised as it was back then. It's got down to 90 cents and we were still buying, um, oh. even at that level. Um, but I think, again, there's an opportunity here, once again. Um, it, it's actually better quality than what most people give it credit for. It, it's certainly not the dregs of BHP. Um, you've got the world's largest and lowest cost manganese producer. You've got a globally significant alumina business. And, um, and mm. it used to be the world's largest single silver producer as well. Um, but that mine is now in decline. The great attraction about this is that management is outstanding. Um, they're great custodians of the assets and that they're willing to switch and change assets right. um, depending on uh, what else is available. So when BHP hived <coughs> it off, yep. Did it then get new management or did the existing management just get better when, when they were out of BHP's culture? Yeah, so um, a, a frustrated um, executive team um, from BHP that didn't get the top jobs, they yeah. were all given the top jobs in South 32. So it was a collection of uh, mines that didn't have any management. Yeah. And all of a sudden, guys that really wanted to prove themselves were given an opportunity with what, what were thought mm. to be um, second tier assets and inside have. BHP, and they have. Um, yeah. Uh, they saw the light before BHP saw the light. I mean, yeah. these guys are talking about returns on capital, capital allocation, um, and dividends well before anyone else in global mining was, and they still set the standard. Um, best, um, asset, uh, best balance sheet in global mining, um, and um, they've been very conservative with the way they manage their asset what a great base. story. Um, I, th I think it's, um, it's quite attractive. Uh, yeah. The assets are modest, so I think the upside here is capped about sort of I struggle to see this getting over four dollars or five dollars, yeah. right. um, even in heated commodity markets. Um, but for the moment, I, I think you can yeah. comfortably buy this at around two dollars thirty. That's a I think the, yeah. the big a good thing run up if you can get to four or five. I think the big thing was within BHP, the things that they did, as good as it was, it didn't have the beta to be a big player in their portfolio. Yes, absolutely. Right. 
they had other monsters playing. So all right. of all so of South 32's business accounted for three percent of BHB's profits. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> so, okay. So you can make that much attention. So it, was given it's to one me. of those th huge right. things about splitting out is splitting out. You know, it can be very positive if your undervalued assets gets the attention. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's you know it's like sending so, a child. So to they a saw it as getting rid of the rats and mice. Yeah, yeah. But well, it's just good. they just don't have time to manage it properly. Right. When you split it yeah. out, the new management has got their you know I guess their ugly duckling suddenly that's their whole attention. Exactly. Yeah. So they can to, you know yeah. they rough the diamonds out and yeah. get, you know that's where you get a few winners. Bang. Mm. Assets unloved, and so that's where I think, especially mm. in resources, splitting out. Is a huge, uh, even in operational side of things, when they split out, it gets the attention. If it is in the right sector, with the right thematic, with good management, as right. it is in the case with South 32, mm. it okay. outperforms. All right. Okay, Ian, thank you for that suggestion. Uh, good look at South 32. Now, Gaurav Jillian wants a view on Andromeda Metals, the old Adelaide Resources. Um, had a, a pretty good recent quarterly update that the share price rose a bit. What do you think? Of I actually Andromeda? know nothing about this. Can we throw over to Nathan first yeah. and I'll collect some Yeah, yeah look, I mean, I had a quick run through. It's not one I've looked at before, mm. but it's it's in the right metals. Yeah. It's an explorer. Um, so let's put it this mm. way. If you're an explorer and you've got decent outlook and you've got decent drill results, right now, if you're not running, <laughs> yeah. you might as well shut shop. Yeah, <laughs> but that quite... Yeah. Look at the exactly. Yeah. So you've guess, guess where the quarterly report came out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the trick is, and I always say, it, it has a very similar risk return explorers to biotechs. Yeah. You want to be there because you trust management. Right. That's key. Two, before it does the Nike swish. Right. If it's done the swish, you've got to be. That a, looks like a swish. Yeah. You you uh, really have to be a believer to go late right. because at some point, guys who are in it three, four cents, yep. want to get out, you're the funding source. Right. Uh, so you don't want to be late to the party. So there's a big risk return in explorers and biotechs. You shouldn't pick one or two unless you have really good information. It's very hard. You have a basket because you're playing a particular thematic yep. and you have to manage your risk. And you've got to be willing to know that it's very liquid. You can get stuck. Yep. And so those kind of risks are in there. So this one's had the run. Uh, obviously, market loves it. It's not a surprise. Everyone knows it. Uh, so you're not buying something that's probably not going to do another move like what it's already done. Right. Um, I'm not there. Uh, right now in the resources, you want to pick explorers that haven't had the move or you pick the guys, the big guys that are being unloved because people are sitting there going, well, that might give me 20%, but this is going to give me 300%. Right. And people just don't understand the risk behind it. Yeah. So people are, a lot of people are punting on those small explorers. Yep. And if it goes wrong, it goes to very low levels. And that's the risk. And you need yep. to understand how these um, mining models are constructed. So they'll take, they'll divide the ore body into blocks and the block can be sort of 10 or, 10 or 20 square meters um, in, in a sort of a cubic shape. And the drill hole might be this big. Now they drill that through and that's one data point. And they use, and then they extrapolate that data point to create a model of what the ore body might look like it is very precarious guesswork. Yep. It's non-exact science. It's almost an art form. And very often, as more drilling comes about, um, you find out that your model's wrong. Um, anything right. pre-jork, and jork is when you've got your actual um, certified uh, resource. You need a, and, and the, the authorities will tell you you have to have a certain number of um, drill, drill rigs going and, and yep. a certain volume of drilling done. Pre that, 
I don't really believe much of the drilling. I've seen how it's done, and it's finger in the air kind of stuff. I don't, you know, this is not to say what, that what not sparked the share price was exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was saying uh, the Mount Hope Kaolin project mm. has an inferred resource of 18 million tons of, of granite um, estimated for next year. That was just the latest drilling report. In Victoria, like um, yeah. in, the, in the last gold bull cycle, um, there's all these explorers exploring in Victoria. Now, Victoria has very nuggety gold deposits. Right. Um, it's not continuous formations. And so there'd be these explorers coming out with these amazing drill hits. But because it's, it's nuggety, you can't extrapolate them. And so it's, it's very right. hard work to look at a single set of drill results and make a decision. You, I, I think this is... I'm not even sure people understand how wildly speculative this field is until you get to that jork resource. Um, And this is not to suggest that the people running the business are trying to do the the wrong thing. I think the process is hard. And most of the time, um, you know, they have their reputations on the line and they're trying their best. But it's hard. And you've got to remember then, once they're drilled to get to a resource, and then they have to get the funding, get the approval, all of that, and then they have to execute. And if you just follow any infrastructure project, any one of them, everything runs at double the cost or yeah. triple the cost. <laughs> yes. So you never want to be in any of those mining uh, projects when they're trying to execute because yeah. no matter how good they are, something goes wrong. You, what you do is you're there for the exploration swish, you get yeah. out and then you wait for them to actually execute, get it up and running and the production starts. When their okay. production hits the road, that's when you buy into it again. So okay. the colour of this is, if you've bought this before the boom and watched it jump, don't think you're a genius. That yeah. is the most dangerous psychology yeah. you can get into. Count yourself lucky. Um, and understand that returns in this sector are driven by luck, not by your skill. Mm. <laughs> I think once you understand that mindset, it helps you so with capital allocation. Yeah. If you've ridden it up and... You, t- I would, you lock yeah. in your... You take as much profit to lock in your capital yeah. and you've got a free ride. If, yeah. it, if it rolls over get the rest out. Okay. If not, write it. So, Gillian, take profits if you've already been in it, but if, you, if you're if you not, you've missed the hockey swish. Uh, wait for the next stage of it. Um, all right, Harbins wants a uh, view on Pilbara Minerals, um, which is uh, uh, anyone who says Pilbara thinks, oh, mm. iron ore producer, yeah. it's not. <laughs> um, it's a lithium mm. and tantalum producer up there as well. Nathan? Oh, oh. We've oh, kicked we... off with three resource <laughs> stocks. We're broadening it after this. Yes. We're going to get I, I, into I'll retail just, and just industrials. Wait. I'm just waiting for Gaurav to... <laughs> <laughs> okay. I haven't seen his vein pop, so it's okay. Um, look, it's, mm. it's lithium. Um, yeah. It's like the bingo word the last couple of years. It's mm. had a cycle. It came back. It's running. Lithium prices are yep. doing well. Um, it doesn't matter which one This is in. all the electric vehicle. Exactly. It's EV tech. If you're in graphite and lithium... In the last six to nine months, you've done well. Yeah. Uh, lithium had a run and then it, it came off and it's starting to, it's had a pretty decent bounce in the last two, three months, um, mainly because the lithium prices are looking good. Uh, part of it is most of the dominant supply comes from COVID countries. Um, so there's a supply side shock inevitably going to play out at some point. Um, it's an interesting one because we have three stocks in our market that most people talk about are Cobra, Galaxy, and Pilbara. Um, all three have mm, management yeah, score, uh, and that's being nice. Right. Um, the one I always play, play the one that's hated, because look at the shorts. 
So if everyone hates it and you believe in your thematic, and lithium prices have been going up, and we've been yeah. looking at this one for a while, um, and we, we like Pilbara, had a few issues. Galaxy is the one where a lot of fundies are playing in. Now, Galaxy has gone from about 80, 90 cents to $2 almost now. Um, yeah, so if you're trying to buy it now, shocker, the market knows about it. Uh, but the whole lithium, all three are running, and they've yeah. had a pretty decent run. Um, look, I think there'll be a bit more on, on it. Um, so you want to play, it's a short-term trade. Um, most lithium cycles have been, they're pricing so much so quickly because there's all the retail punting space, yep. and momentum can turn on a dime. So you've got to be uh, willing to keep an eye on it and manage it and be able to take a bit of volatility. But it is in the thematic at the moment, and I think all three will run. Um, okay. I would say institutional interest is more in Galaxy than the other two. Okay. Um, Look, understand what you're doing when you're investing in lithium. You're taking a whole series of bets. You're betting that um, electric cars are the future, yep. that they're going to be run by specific lithium-powered batteries, and that, um, and that there is room in the value chain for the miner of the raw material to earn a reasonable rate of return. I almost think what you're doing is, is you're not buying a mining business, you're almost buying a tech business because you're betting that lithium will be the dominant, um, uh, the dominant in ingredient, if you like, yes. in batteries. In batteries. Battery. Yeah. When what happens is battery technology moves along and it changes, yep. and you just don't know what the dominant ingredient will be. Um, but look, having said all that, I, I wouldn't. I think lithium cycle does look interesting. Lithium prices mm -hmm. have been depressed for a long time. Um, it's a awfully difficult market to actually um, extract uh, the material out of the rock or the brine, if that's what you're doing. The, the flow sheets are incredibly complicated. So if you have a process that works, you at, 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 are at a substantial advantage. Um, I would, I mean, Nathan's highlighted the three dominant stocks. I think his view on them is, is, is quite sound. I agree with that. I will throw out mineral resources as being a yes. fantastic lithium exposure um, that is never counted as one because they have probably yeah. the largest um, lithium business in Australia. Um, but it's kind of hidden by a fantastic mineral processing business, biggest in the world, yeah. um, and also a so-so mm, but highly profitable iron ore business. Right. Um, with mineral resources, you get maybe the best mining manager in the world um, in Chris Ellison. Mm. I, I think he's extraordinary. I, I don't disagree, yep. but he's, he's a bit like, um, it's like, you know, some people like certain taste of wine and other people like to do that. He's, he's, <laughs> he's not, a quiet he's taste. Quiet <laughs> taste. <laughs> That's what I was going to get to. He's yeah. in a quiet taste. What a I don't disagree. Mm. His track, I mean, it's data, right? His track record is hard to be. And he gets his hands into pies yes. that you sit there and go, what? And then it turns out to be yeah. something good. Yeah. So he's got a track record. Now it's, it's a bit like Macquarie, Goodman Group. You just don't fight with those guys because yeah. they they're going to stuff you over at some point. Yeah. Um, so when if he's getting into something, Usually you haven't worked out why that's good. Uh, so he does have a track record, but he does rub half the market the wrong way. <laughs> so I'm actually- If he's good. Yeah, he's good. That's um, track record it has been. I've owned um, Minrez stock for a long time. Um, and you're right, he makes moves you don't expect. The whole shift to lithium, I woke up yeah. one morning and, and found out I owned a lithium producer, right? Like, yeah, I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, the, I think um, that's the kind of management that actually can, can make money. It's got hustle, you know? They, they can do things that other management can't. Um, 
And the good thing about minerals at the moment is that the price completely ignores yeah. the lithium. Right. Um, it only counts the iron ore production and you get the lithium for free. So for okay. me, that's a, it's a no-brainer. So, so it's better than for you? Yes. We, I were, we actually had minerals in our model, right. but that's pre-lithium running. Yeah. And just on the, the business they had, the market was paying way too much because it's X100. So in the small cap space, if you want to get iron ore exposure, that was the only vehicle okay. to get it. Okay. So it got bid up too much. So we mm. took profit when it reached our peak multiples. Um, it came back a bit and then it's run up a bit. It's in that choppy waters, but you're right. If lithium keeps running, that's the next next leg for okay. minerals. Mm. So you'd be in to, uh, to answer Harbin's view. If I yes, Pilbara. Yeah, I think, look, if you're playing that thematic, I would but play both. Mineral resources. Minerals. It's, it's a higher quality mm. one. Okay. All right. Um, Gorab Simon wants a view on LaVisa. Mm. So we're getting out of resources now, going into retail. <laughs> uh, retail or fast fashion, um, not only here in Australia, but uh, uh, fast fashion jewellery, I should say. Um, not only in Australia, but 11 other countries um, around the world. This is the Bundy. Yep. Retailer, yes, is a, who is sort of yep. the guru of, mm. of retail? I, I really like Lavisa. We own it in, I think, all of our portfolios. Um, oh. It's been a buy pre-pandemic. It's a buy now. Um, and I think it's completely misunderstood. I think people see this as a dispenser of cheap, crappy jewellery, which I guess it is. <laughs> but yeah. the actual economic model is astounding. Um, Lavisa actually is a fast fashion business kind of in disguise. I think of it more in terms of Zara than I do in terms of Michael Hill, oh. for example. Yep. So what they do is they, um, they have a, um, designers who, who design the jewellery, they, they, they contract manufacturing out um, and they own the distribution channels, they own the retail channels. They take an 80% gross 80 margin. 80% gross margin, um, which is usually on luxury goods you get 80%, yes, you're right. not on yeah. fast jewellery. Uh, these are, these are Apple-esque margins, 25% yeah. um, net profit margin. Wow. The astounding thing is they earn these very high margins in combination with very high inventory turn. Yeah. Mm. Often there's a, a mm. trade-off relationship between your margin and how quickly you turn over inventory. Think of supermarkets, very yeah. low margin, very quick inventory. Think of cars, the opposite. Um, but here is an example of a business that can do both, and it can do yeah. that sustainably. The, the economics for a single store are the best retail economics I have ever seen. Wow. Um, they pay back even stores. Even better than JB Hi-Fi. Yes, because wow. they have small stores. Yeah, even smaller stores. They have tiny <laughs> stores. There's yeah. one person yeah. working in the store. The, um, the, their losses are very low. Um, at, at losses in terms of um, theft is, yeah, is rather yeah, low yeah. and they turn over inventory super, super fast. Mm. Um, and the real competitive advantage is actually data. Um, because they have 400 stores around the world, they can recognize which designs are selling and which designs um, are not. And so they, they're very quick at adapting their designs mm. and because they own their manufacturer, they can get new designs out to market quicker than anyone else. Good luck trying to compete with these guys because once yep. they're at scale, and they are okay. now, they've had a still a big bounce back. So even yeah. at this level, I still I, I think um, in a number of years this will have a three in front of it. Um, yeah, I'm I'm surprised. I mean, I know he loves it. Yeah. And I, th I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we've discussed this before. They yeah. are very good at what yeah. they do. Um, it's it's kind of just in time management uh, model, and they they are data management, so they do it really well. Um, I wouldn't say it's crappy. My daughter would disagree. Funnily enough, my granddaughter bought some yeah. yesterday for a uh, birthday party she was going to. Exactly. <laughs> and even when we go on holidays, 
I tend to spend a lot of time standing outside Lavisa. Yeah. While my wife and daughter go inside. Yeah, yeah. So I you know that it's doing your research. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The brother, I mean, my son and I spend a lot of time outside. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, I think the, the big thing about it is it got beaten up because of lockdown. Yep. Yeah. And, and then it rebounded with the opening. They are very good. The only thing I would worry about is every so often, because they do this massive turnover, if you don't get the sales numbers running through, then it can, they can get stockpiled and then right. they do take a hit. So I wouldn't chase it here. I would wait for it to come back because of lockdowns around the world being played out. But look, it's a great model. Okay. Every time it pulls back, you buy it. So it's a no from... Right yeah, now, I wouldn't buy it. It's so had a good run. Globally, they have 400 odd stores. They have only about yeah. 20 stores in the US. I think there is room for about 800 stores yeah. in the US. Wow. There that, is that's a enormous runway for growth here. Yeah. Um, and they've just bought a business. They just bought um, a business in, in, the, in, the, in Europe with um, 84 locations um, and they paid 30 euros for it. Um, it's gone bust. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, so there's I a whole lot, lot of reasons. I think they bought a similar the kind of a play in the US as well, right. basically off the um, receivers. Okay. Uh, to get the. It, it's not the first time. They've good done locations. It. Yeah, it's See, really this, well managed. Founder led. He's actually pretty um, proven in subcontinent culture where you buy um, you know, cheap um, jewelry to match yeah. your attire <laughs> and you wear it a couple of times and you go flick it. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. you know, this has been around for centuries. So, yeah. this works. All right. Okay, uh, Louise wants a view, uh, Mathan on Flight Center. Yeah, um, a lot of people got excited, opening up, travel, all that, and then everyone went, well, maybe it's a bit longer than I thought, and then it's come off. Flight Center, I think, carries more debt than the others. I still got issues with what's happening with corporate travel accounting, mm. yeah. uh, Webjet, uh, a bit of a science project. Um, I think all three have are cheap and people can obviously see the value in how it could be. Mm. The problem is timing. Yeah. Um, I'm one of those people think that the global opening up is not even in 2021. I think it's 2022 oh. type play because okay. if you look at where the vaccines are, where that's going to be disposed um, and how long it takes, we don't know. It's a technology that has never been done at this level so there'll be a lot more delays than what people think so there will be delays but this will do better than what it's been doing obviously uh, because as things open up it's domestically and a few places so there will be bubbles that they will travel around and they will do a bit better i think it's not bad but are you you know looking at the market are you willing to buy a stock where things are going to be volatile and you're not going to get clarity for maybe 12 months or 18 months i'd say most people will say yeah yeah, yeah but no, they don't. <laughs> ADHD. So I'm telling you, you have ADHD and you don't know it because you're looking at a stock that's no. been belted. Don't buy this. So you're but saying wait. Yeah, I'd say wait. Uh, if you want that exposure, look at things like airlines like Qantas, who uh, can give you some turnaround mm -hmm. much quicker, yeah. or international Auckland International Airport for that play. I would wait to see things open up a bit more. Okay. Great. We've got a long history with Flight Centre and... Um, we bought, bought and sold it over the years um, very successfully. It's a terrific business, um, superbly managed. But um, I share your skepticism now, actually. We own it, by the way. It's in our portfolios. Um, oh, I, love, I love the CEO. Yeah. He's one of the few guys who would talk three, oh. five years down the road. Yes, yes. Yep. Fantastic. And the way he's responded to COVID has been remarkable. He's at a stroke, um, cut like 70% yeah, of the yeah. cost in this business. He's basically re-engineered the business model. Actually. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that might actually come back to be the savior of the company. Yep. Um, because I think it was facing some structural headwinds. We've been a bit nervous about Flight Center for um, a little while. Yeah. Um, I, I still think because of the enormous cap raising, the actual market cap is reasonably high. 
It's not as cheap yeah. as the charts would right. suggest. Uh, and so you want to be careful there. I, but the business is now mostly, I mean, they're looking at beefing up their corporate travel business. It's already the fourth largest corporate travel business in the world. Yep. Um, a significant um, business in its own right. And it's always been hidden within this big retail operation. I think that's going to be much more evident um, over time. But I worry about permanent <coughs> change in that corporate travel business. Right. Companies around the world have invested in remote communications. Yep. They've invested in, in physical equipment. And uh, mentally, they're kind of used to it now. Yeah. Uh, that has to have a, make a difference so to the Bill market. Bill Gates said the corporate travel business right. will be down 50%. Wow, is that right? Forward, wow. Going forward. Oh, I think, Permanently? Yeah. Wow. I, think, I think it's a structural change. And this kind of long-distance communication yep. thing is common in the US, right. relatively common in Europe mm. because of health, uh, sorry, the weather yep. problems. Uh, but in Australia, it's never been. Mm. Yeah. So it's a cultural change to be forced on us. On plane, yeah. And we're used to it. So, I mean, I, I remember in my old job, uh, I used to go to Melbourne to do morning meetings uh, and to do the presentation. And because uh, you could never make it to the office in time from the airport, you had to actually fly down the night before, stay yeah. overnight for one presentation, <laughs> yeah, try yeah. to come up with other presentation to make it worthwhile. Those things will not happen anymore. Yeah because you just do it online and people are used to it. And your customers are used to yeah, it. And yeah, and most of our client base, you know, if you look at the fund management industry, I'd say 70 to 80% haven't come in mm, maybe yeah. once a month now. Yeah, That's all, they work from home. Yeah. So in that context, I think the cultural change has played out and I agree with you. I think there's a decent restead. And the other thing to remember, you mm. said capital raising. That's a huge change because if you look at property trust, mm. pre-GFC, post-GFC, they had to raise so much that the growth rates were diluted yeah. for decades to come yeah okay and they've got that problem all right so i know from uh, flight sender um if you want to uh, alternatives uh, auckland international airport or, or Qantas probably give you better leverage let's recap the first uh, five stocks plus stock of the day and poll um a yes from both uh, gorab and Matham for conservative investors uh, south 32 yes of both uh andromeda a no pilbara a no um, a yes on LaVisa from Gaurav, a no from uh, Mathan. Uh, here on the call, we have our own portfolio that we've been tracking since the 1st of July. Any stock that gets uh, two ticks, two thumbs up from our expert panel goes into it. If that stock comes up again and doesn't get unanimous approval, it goes out of the portfolio. And uh, Mathan has kicked LaVisa out of the portfolio. Oh, it used to be way in the to portfolio. Go. Yeah, it's now done it well. You should look in the profit. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. You do like in the profit. Uh, let's take a look uh, how we've um, portfolio's been going. Uh, 1.4% for the week, um, around 3.5% for the month, and since the 1st of July, 22.5%. So if you want to go and have a look at the stocks in the portfolio, um, you can go to osbiz.co uh, slash portfolio. Um, recently, over the last week or two, the expert panels have added Redbubble, Elmo Software, Credit Clear, Duke Exploration, MyDeal.com.au. Uh, some of the stocks to come out, Coles, CSL, but you can take your profits on, on yeah. that, was the, uh, uh, was the recommendation, like you're saying on the visa, uh, Nathan. Uh, you can check yeah, out, as I say, all of them, osbiz.co slash portfolio. You're wrong with um, Coming up on The Pulse this afternoon, Chief Executive John Moroney. I've been reading this report uh, during the morning uh, from the SMSF Association. Uh, Rice Warner have uh, 
put out a report on the costs of running a self-managed mm. super fund, uh, showing that the break-even, if you like, mm. on costs compared with investing in industry or retail funds, mm. uh, down to 150000 wow. is the minimum investment. You know, mm. I didn't quite believe it until I started going through all the mm. charts and things like that. Mm. It's fascinating, um, uh, particularly with super funds at the moment whinging that the government isn't putting up the compulsory contributions and complaining that they're not making enough money, all that sort of stuff, which I reckon is a load of rot. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> um, if, the, if there is a government legislated river of gold coming into your business, there should be, in my view, government legislated caps Yes. on administration yes. fees and investment performance and how much they make out of us. But anyhow, that's just a personal view. Uh, John Moroney coming up at one twenty. That's fascinating. All right, uh, let's kick off the second five stocks. And James uh, Gorab wants a view on A2 Milk. Um, still, uh, share prices come back a fair bit. Yes. I'm still Everything. getting over you getting all fired up about SMSF. Well, <laughs> well no, I get fired up yeah. over super. What business gets a legislated revenue stream yes. coming in every year, but no legislated look at costs that they pass on to investors mm. and all that we sort of stuff? We have an it's industry ridiculous. where it's probably the only industry where people have completely random benchmarks and random uh, yeah. risk categories and then they compare performance and I sit there and go, yeah. basic maths tells you you can legislate all of that to have proper measured risk yes. weighted performance measures okay. but they never do it. I'll put you in touch with the government because they're, they're about to bring in all this sort of stuff and that's Just why insane. super funds are winching. Anyhow, back to A2 back to milk. milk. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah, look, we... Um, Geez, I've got this wrong for a long time. A long time I got this wrong. Yeah. Um, because we looked at this business and we thought, look, we saw these enormous returns on capital, these huge margins. Again, these Apple-esque type yeah. margins. And I thought, you know, we had this big debate in the office that why, why does, what's so special about A2 that it's, that competition is not coming in to, um, to, to get these margins lower and compete them away. They don't own any of the raw ingredients. No. This is a, a branding business. It's basically business. a marketing business. Yeah. And our mistake was that we kept on expecting a, um, a competitor to do exactly what A2 has done and yeah. to get the same results. And I think the thing we missed was that the success of A2 has nothing to do with its um, supply chain or its production. It's all in very successful brand building and marketing. Yeah. And that's hard to replicate. Yeah. You know, Nestle has, has been trying a lot of competitors are trying to get into this A2 space. And I think the problem that they're getting up against is that A2 was the first and they own the copyright to the A2 name. So every time they, um, they advertise or they build, try and build a brand around A2, to some extent, they're actually um, benefiting A2 yeah. milk. They're expanding yeah. the market for A2 You're milk. marketing them. Yeah. 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 So the, the actual IP here is ex extremely valuable, but it's also the vulnerability in this yep. business. There's a couple of law cases around the world, um, some important ones going on in the US that challenge A2's claim to the A2 milk label. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if, if they fall through, uh, this, uh, I think the entire, the, the entire competitive position of this business changes. Right. Um, so it's, there are vulnerabilities here, but my goodness, what a superbly managed operation. Yep. What a growth story. Um, I kick myself for, for missing it, um, but it's a great lesson in sometimes the, the business 
doesn't present, always present you with its true face. And as an investor, it's your job kind of to dig through and find out what yeah. the true nature of the so business is. So you've got is. the remorse, would you get in at 1380? I or would hold off for now. So right. there, there's a few... Wait for the court case. <laughs> it's not just that. There are a few things going on here. The, the Daigao market, so they used to yeah. distribute a lot of their products through, through Daigao's. That's been completely changed. They're trying to yeah. replace that channel with um, new direct distribution channels. I'm not sure how successful that'll be. The other problem they have is that the most profitable part of this business is infant formula, but all yeah. the growth in the US is coming from fresh milk, and fresh milk attracts yeah. tiny margins compared to formula. Yeah. So it's going to be hard to replicate past success. Hold. Uh, look, on the way up, it had a lot of free kicks. Uh, we had China, yeah. had that True. baby milk problems and all of that. Um, I mean, Bellamy's had a huge run on that. So yeah. it was a thematic that worked well, uh, and growth right, right now, the thematic is the opposite. Yeah. A lot of things are going against that. Um, we actually had it. I mean, we had it in the model, and around July, when it got to about 19 bucks, the multiples were fairly stretched mm. uh, for a business that had a fair amount of risk, and they had management change. So she's the one going across to Virgin. Yeah. Now, I'd back her to get Virgin, yeah. even in the mess. She's good. Um, yeah. She was in Jetstar too. Yeah, she? so yeah. she's good. She turned it around, got things fixed up, um, and she got kicked out of there. Uh, they liked what she did, they just didn't like how she did it. Yeah. That's my impression of it. Mm. So in that context, that's when you see management changes, when things are going well and being managed well, that's a risk for me in a stretch mm. multiple. We got sure, out then, and it's had, I think, three downgrades since then. Yeah, had a couple. And the reality is, you do not go into a stock that's had multi-year upgrade cycle after a downgrade till you get the first upgrade. Yeah. Because they always come in bunches. So don't so chase no. it. Don't okay. chase it. All right. Uh, Tanya wants a view on Challenger, the uh, the big financial group specialising in annuities. Yeah. Oh, look, I love it. I, I think hmm. it's, it's a dog that's turned around. This is a diversified financial unique model that doesn't exist. There was always an argument uh, that one of the big banks would try and buy them out. Um, and I think that won't get through uh, regulation. Now, on top of that, the government is looking at annuities as part of your super play. These guys are one of the few out there. It's yes. a science project. Go try mm -hmm. and work it out. Um, but in reality, they do well. There's global interest on them. Where they are priced right now, they could easily be a target. I mean, hell, if you're buying AMP, Challenger looks a hell of a lot better. <laughs> I mean, that's got fleas on it. And it um, has turned around. It has that turned first around. quarter now, performance was good. The reason Japan. it turned around is bond yields. Right. You know, all roads lead to Rome. Bond yields turned around. This is where they play in fixed income. Yep. So they're in play now. This is okay. a sector with reflation will do well. So I'm a buyer. Okay. I don't understand this business. It um, is a science project. Yeah. This is a black box for me. So they promise um, fixed rate annuities at the one end, yeah. they gather assets at the other end, and they do this alchemy in the middle, which is completely a closed loop, closed box, no one knows what they're I doing. Disagree. I disagree. There is massive blow-up risk here. Um, to the credit of management, it's actually been very well managed in yep. terms of risk, but we could wake up one morning and find that the risk models haven't worked. Um, if there's a big externality event, this, this, it's conceivable to, this, to wake up one morning and see this business completely wiped out. Okay. Um, and I don't want to own it. <laughs> right. I, I think it's only an average business. It's a great distribution vines. They're on lists that no one else is on and it's hard yeah. to compete with that. But 
the product itself is there's too much risk here. I, I'm I'm going to say so. Okay. All right, uh, Matthew um, wants to view Gorab on Tyro Payments. The uh, mm. um, they for small and medium sized businesses and retailers. It's your EPOS machine, if you like, that they run. Yeah, this, um, this has caused a lot of controversy in the office, and we haven't really... It's close to break even, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, it should be profitable uh, soon. It, it is a terrific success story. Yep. They've come from um, nowhere to be the, um, the largest supplier of payment terminals outside of the big four banks. Mm. So think of the people they've had to leapfrog. Yep. Um, they've leapfrog all the, uh, the regional banks, they've taken market share from the big banks, and they've done it all by just doing things better. This is a fantastic management team. Again, they've, they've got hustle, you know, they, yeah. they've innovated more than anyone else. Um, they've, they've introduced so many firsts in this industry. Um, I'd almost call them a leader, even though they're number mm. five. Okay. The problem we have with them is that the in credit card data is, is mixed. It, it looks as though credit card um, applications are falling quite dramatically. Young yep. people aren't interested in them anymore. Yep. The Reserve Bank figures show a massive decline. Yeah, that's a worry for a business like this. I still think it's probably, a, I still hold it, um, but my enthusiasm has just been put on hold a little bit. There are new products coming, so the, the data they can access mean that you can provide real-time loans um, and a whole lot of other um, interesting yeah. products. So they have this one product where they look at your um, payments data and they provide you a loan based on it. And you can actually repay the loan with this little sense in every transaction. Oh. So the business barely feels the capital cost of it. I mean, oh. terrific innovations. Mm. I like the management a lot. I quite like the business, but it is richly priced and with a couple of risks there. I just leave it as a hold and just, yep. and just wait a bit. Uh, look, Graves, right? It's a it's a good business, but it's a fintech. Doesn't mm. does anyone not know fintechs? <laughs> I mean, if you are, you could get out of the rock. Uh, because the reality is, everyone knows all the fintechs. Everyone yeah. knows what the upside is. That's pretty much in the price. They've rebounded to pre highs, pretty close to it. Uh, there's no surprise factor here. Um, I, I'm not a chaser of fintechs at this point. Oh, look, mm. I think they are future. Um, I think there's a number of really big players globally and locally that are going to do well, but you're paying for that already. Yeah. You're paying for a number of years, and I think yeah. it's going to get tougher, and there's going to be more competition. So, two billion, two billion dollar market cap. Yeah, it's still haven't made a profit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, we got bigger ones, bigger yeah, ones yeah. that's here to make money. So, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about that. There are yeah. really good reasons. Every time they have a terminal, they have to do something like three hundred software integrations um, wow. with every yeah. piece of software available. Right. That's a big fixed cost. Right. Um, I, I think they'll scale it's, and they'll make money. I've no doubt about that. It's amazing with the fintechs. I mean, uh, you know, starting up a new business, for me personally, when you learn how all the connections work, yeah. there's so many fintechs globally. They are so big and they do a lot of the back-end work. Yeah. So, you know, setting up a website to the mm. connection, to the bank, to the point of yeah. transaction, all of those things, it used to take people years. Mm. Now it takes weeks. Yeah. Mm. You can yeah. set up the whole thing. So they are the future and they will do well, but a, a lot of these already price in two to yep. three years of perfection. So Mate, yep. does the credit card okay. stuff for you? It does, but what I'm finding with the fintechs are there's a lot of new fintechs, especially out of Europe. Mm. They do their own debit card version that runs through the whole process. You get free FX, you get all the okay. transaction, everything and it's much easier and they offer gimmicks for the next generation and it's they're only trading in their own money they're not using credit 
Yeah. So they're they're undercutting it with all the gimmicks without the risk. Right. So if that is the future, and I don't know, if that is the future, yeah, credit cards will be challenged. Yep. Hard. Okay. All right. Carolyn um, Maker wants a view on Village Roadshow, the big theme park, cinema, film distribution business that's under a bit of uh, yeah. um, <laughs> sort of, would you say, in play, M&A oh, yeah, issue. There was an announcement this morning with oh, BGH, look, I think. Yeah, that's yeah. Look, you know, take it because that management. Yeah. You, and everyone knew the management track record's patchy. You want an M&A just to get rid of it. Um, so I think it'll play out. But my worry is structurally, I think that industry is going through massive change, whether it's theme parks or whether it's cinemas, they're all going through massive change. I've seen uh, VR technology in Malaysia in, when it comes to theme parks. Uh, it's a completely different kettle of fish. Yeah. So it, th those kind of structural changes and cinemas with streaming, it's huge change, and these things will lose a lot of market share because a lot of okay. other people will do it. So take the offer. Yeah, I'm going to put this in the same category as AMP, Tabcorp, <laughs> and, and NAB. Is the, are those four are the worst managed big cap stocks in the country? <laughs> Hang your heads in shame, man. I mean, how could you stuff it up so bad? And these guys own a huge part of stock as well. I mean, there, there yeah. goes the idea that totally. owner managers are always better. They've yeah. been a disaster. They're yeah. terrible for this business. Yep. And I'm with Nathan. Take it. Yep. I just put this <laughs> thing out of misery. Run. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hussain wants a view on uh, Bailador technology. It's mm. an investment company that uh, focuses on that software internet, mobile, telecommunications type investment. Yeah. I, I hadn't heard of them, I must have been. So the, this is an, I think, is this a Alex White's let's I vehicle? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. so it's got his, his name, yeah. Snapple Approval, um, on it, which attracts a lot of attention. Um, and they're often in, a lot of their holdings are unlisted um, internet. Um, ah, right. Uh, not internet, okay. unlisted technology vehicles. Equity. Yeah, that's it's an interesting thing. I actually think that it, it's a bit different because they, they're trying to now um, IPO a lot of their holdings, and right. they will get that private That's public arbitrage. Capitalization of it. Yeah. So you yeah. go from. I don't to... love this actually. Okay. I think the purpose of this. Because he's got a listed fund as well. Yes, a I know. One has that. He's, he's got a couple. This smells like an asset gatherer at right. work. An asset gatherer, is someone who doesn't, who just tries to get as much yep. funds together in as many vehicles as possible. Right. You know, I he's got a terrific track record, but this has never really worked. There's, there's very, the way they value their, um, uh, their holdings is, yeah. I don't know how they do it. Management comes up with a number and they put it down on the balance sheet. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of question marks over okay. this. Transparency is not great. I would be avoiding this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're playing in unlisted territory, there's high risk and high return. Uh, but you don't have clarity like Grove said. Yeah. So there's always, like, if you think about the, the, the best listed ones that are like that, Goodman Group, West Farmers, Infratel, these are the guys that you back because they've got a track record, their clarity is there, you can see what they mm. do, how they do it, and they bloody well do it well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is not at that class, uh, but it's an interesting one. It's one where if you're going to have a play, it's a high risk play, so what you want to do is, it's a bit like mining stock, you want to wait till the market loses interest, it's at the bottom, and if you think the guy can deliver a couple of good deals, you buy some and you let it run for a mm. year, and if he delivers a good deal, bang, you get the pop and you make the money. And you get out. Yep. But it's had a, a decent pop. You're buying now, you're buying that he can keep delivering. That's always a high risk in this play and it's not a big enough market cap for me to take that risk. If I wanted to that, play that game, 
I would back it with the big guys. I'd go with someone like Infratel, Macquarie, or Goodman right. Group. Yep. They just hit innings after sure. innings, so I'll go with them. Although okay. I think they will recognize quite a few gains from um, listing like, some yeah, of the so holdings. Basically, if you get something, you're getting it at a really cheap pre-IPO, yep. and yep. then you take it to IPO, you multiples, yeah. and then yeah. you get this Expand. 10 times return. That's right. It's like a yeah. venture capital fund. That's, oh, that's probably, better, yeah. that's that's probably a better way to explain yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's recap the final five stocks. A2 Milk and No. Uh, Challenger, yes from Mathan, a no from Gorab. Tyro Pavements, no. Uh, Village, a no. Hang your head in shame. We'll add that in. And Bailadora, no as well. All right, Gorab Sodi from Intelligent Investor. What have you got on the site at the moment? What's at the moment? Well, we've just done um, a little bit on Lavisa as well, oh, which is why I was okay. so fresh in my, in my head. Um, geez, it's a, it's a great business. And, yeah. and I think um, some of the best opportunities are still in that mining space. We've yeah. got um, a collection of um, unloved mining stocks. Okay. So I think there's opportunity. Go to the website, sign mm. up, be a subscriber. Nathan, good to see you. How's the business going? Yeah, it's Big good. It's good. Uh, yeah, we're, you know, it's, it's interesting trying to educate clients because yeah. our whole concept is take the client for the ride with us. Um, so it, it's... You, you're never going to get the macro that you've had in the last six to 12 months yeah. and what we're going to face in the next three to six months will never be done again. You yeah. never want to say never, but hell, it's a ride. Yeah, so yeah, it's absolutely. great to do it. And they've got the kids working in the business too. That's so. yeah. <laughs> Cheap labor. <laughs> Good on you, you guys. Always great to have you on the show. Uh, that is the show for today. If you've got any stocks you'd like us to look at, Email them in the call at osbiz.com.au. Tweet us using the as at Osbiz TV handle. Don't forget the calls portfolio if you want to have a look at the stocks in it. Today, uh, Ampol and South 32 have gone in. Lavisa has come out. Um, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And if you want to get a wrap up of everything that's happened in the day in business and finance, you need the COB, the daily newsletter, lands in your inbox at 5.30 in the afternoon. Uh, subscribe to that osbiz.co slash join. Nadine and Scuddy run you through everything that's been happening. Startup Daily Show between 2 and 3 p.m. this afternoon, looking at um, scale-ups, startups, venture capital. That's the hour that we talk to a lot of founders. Today, the team's joined by Erica Hughes, who is bringing the farmer's market into the 21st century with her platform, Farmer Meets Foodie. So she will be explaining that and um, what she's looking, I think they're looking at raising at the moment to get some investors into it. So a lot happening for the rest of the afternoon on Ausbiz. You don't want to miss a minute of it. We'll be back in a tick.